Welcome back to the Carol Connection. I am your host, Jared Carroll, here to bring you guys another great episode. I did want to take a chance to shout out my last episode, episode 80. Let me repeat that, episode 80. Super excited to reach that number. Um, But I did like a birthday uh, reflection that I released on November 5th, which was my birthday, my 26th. And I kind of recapped everything that has happened since my 25th birthday and everything that I experienced through that year and kind of being humbled a little bit by my own emotions and my own experiences and working through therapy, still doing the podcast, putting myself out there. And then I also kind of put out some goals that I have for myself a little bit. And I'll probably do something similar towards the end of the year, kind of like a a year end recap, like I've done in the past. So that's something to look forward to. But I also want to kind of preface this too. I want to incorporate this going forward. If there's anyone out there that is currently listening that wants to be a guest, please hit me up on Instagram or something like that. Or if you have my number or you know of someone that has my number, we could set something up and I'll get you on the podcast. And that'll be really great. But you can check out all episodes out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So for today, episode 81, bringing in Will Taylor. Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me today. Glad to have you. Appreciate you coming out here. And we've been talking about this for a while, and we've been trying to set up some dates. And I'm glad that we could pick today and we could finally have this conversation. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. But um, no, it's been something I've been looking forward to, and I marked out on my calendar. And I'm excited to be here today yeah and shout out to um kind of like a a, a bunch of different people uh, taylor agnew yeah. zach carter nate merlin like rob fontaine rob fontaine <laughs> like there's a bunch of them that you've listened to their episodes and you've seen the clips and you reached out to me initially i think it was you reached out to me initially yep, yep. and we talked about some stuff and then we're like yeah let's, let's make this happen and i'm super excited because like it's another example of uh, making a connection through already relationships that i have and it's someone that we didn't know each other prior to this so like i I love that and i was telling you off off the podcast that's like one of my favorite things to do is to meet someone new and have them on the podcast and just talk about life so like like i mentioned to you uh in the pre-interview um kind of just tell everyone who you are and what you're doing currently yeah definitely so um i'm 21 years old um i'm from rehoboth mass Uh, i know there's a lot of seekonk viewers and a lot of seekonk guests um so i am a dr guy you know not a fan of seekonk but (laughs) we'll let it slide for today um but like i said i'm 21 um i'm currently working as an occupational therapy assistant uh for the rhode island department of corrections and then i work also for eleanor slater hospital um in cranston um i also do some per diem work in different nursing homes and at kent county hospital um so that's what i'm up to now um, I'm also in grad school, so I'm in grad school right now for my master's. Um, I should be done, hopefully, knock on wood, <laughs> in two years from now. Um, and But it's really just been a grind. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and we'll dive into uh, basically like your career in school a little bit later in mm. the podcast. But thank you for sharing that. I think it's always great to introduce that. Um, the first part of the podcast, as I mentioned, is usually family dynamic, upbringing, um, so it sets the tone for the entire episode. So people get a feel for who you are, kind of how you're brought up. And it's yeah. like, you know, we're, we're not famous individuals. So it's like, it, it yeah. lets the average listener who might not know you get a little bit taste of how you're brought up. And 
I think I think it's important to do this this little segment. So whatever you're com- comfortable with, kind of go ahead and share that. Yeah, definitely. So um, born and raised in Rumford, um, in Rumford, Rhode Island. Uh, stayed there till I was about six, seven years old. Um, my parents have been together for 25 years. They're still together to this day. Um, they're really a big influence of where I'm at now. Um, they're both teachers. So I say that and I smile because it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Um, you know, they've, they definitely kept me on track in terms of academics, in terms of life, but there's high expectations that have come with that. Um, you know, so they've always provided that steady voice and that steady role model, um, no matter where I've been in life. Um, so around six or seven, we moved to Rehoboth. Um, I was there kindergarten, first grade, second grade. And then in second grade, um, my parents decided to have me change schools. Um, my mom was a teacher in the district at the time. Um, but I ended up going out to St. Luke's school in Barrington, um, which going from, you know, private tight knit community, you know, being in Seekonk, Rehoboth to, you know, a, a private school with, you know, kids that had a lot more money than me at the time, you know, was a, a big change. Um, and it was tough, you know, I mean, those nuns are <laughs> no joke. Um, but it was good. It was a good in the aspect of I learned a lot about myself in that time. Um, it challenged me academically. Socially, it was a, definitely a barrier. Um, that was a place where I struggled. Um, I was kind of the only kid from Massachusetts. So all these kids from Barrington and Bristol and stuff, they were kind of in that tight knit group. And here I was coming in, you know, taking a 15, 20 minute drive to school every day. Um, So I didn't relate to them as much. I didn't get along with them as much. Um, So I didn't fit in. Um, So I never really clicked with that crew. So socially, I didn't really have any friends at that time in my life. Um, I played sports in Rehoboth. So that was kind of my avenue and my opportunity to really, you know, express myself um, and have fun kind of have that play aspect as a kid but when I was at school I was I was miserable um you know I didn't really get to sit with any of the kids um so it got to the point where in seventh in seventh grade it got so bad that uh you know my parents pulled me out of the school um I wasn't I wasn't in a good place mentally my confidence was at all-time low um and you know that was it was difficult for me, um, you know, always having a steady upbringing and then being in this uncomfortable situation, but not really sh- not sure how to express myself at that age, you know, and say that, you know, I don't feel comfortable, you know, I dread going to school. Um, and I know that, you know, reflecting now on it, that there's a lot of kids that deal with that. Um, and it's the sad reality of school, whether you're at public school, private school, um, and it's hard to fit in. So, um, that was kind of like my middle school, elementary school experience. I ended up transferring back to, uh, Rehoboth public schools. Um, and then from there, it really just changed. It changed everything. Um, I kind of clicked back with the crew of guys that I was seeing with sports and stuff who I'm actually going to end up seeing, uh, tonight and this weekend, you know, everybody's home from school, which is awesome. Um, but Throughout high school, I tried to, you know, really get involved in different things. Um, 
and yeah, my life definitely changed when I got back to Rehoboth school. So that was a positive for sure. Yeah, and that, that's awesome to mention because I've, I've had people talk about too, like the changing of schools too. And sometimes the changing of schools is difficult. And it sounds like since you were ha- you were playing sports with a lot of the, these kids from Rehoboth and stuff, that it was an easy transition for you. And it actually was kind of like the opposite of a lot of people's experience where mm. it made things a lot better for yourself. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It's a blessing in disguise. I mean, if I didn't have the opportunity to play with those guys in sports and stuff, who knows? You know. Mm. Um, I mean, a lot of the stuff that has made me who I am is because I switched back to public school in Rehoboth. You know, so it's yeah. a blessing. Did was it your choice to play sports, or was it kind of your parents like forcing you to kind of play sports? Because I know a lot of us get introduced to sports because our parents are like, yeah, you got to go do this. No, no, my parents from. For my parents, you know, with them being teachers, they always wanted us to just be busy and to just have fun. Um, so school was always number one, you know, um, C's and B's weren't really acceptable. <laughs> but, you know, but going after school and playing soccer, you know, playing basketball, playing uh, baseball, you know, that was that was the opportunity that they really wanted my brother and I to be part of. Um, so it was a combination. You know, I always have enjoyed playing sports whether it's gym class or you know with kids in the community so um sports have always been a big part of who i am yeah so as you were playing sports um did you play all the way through like senior year and stuff yeah so i so going up until eighth grade baseball and soccer were my main sports Mm -hmm. um and then when i hit high school i kind of you know i was getting pretty good at soccer um freshman year i went and tried out for the soccer team and I was playing club on the side and stuff and I made varsity as a freshman so mm-hmm. um and I ended up starting as a freshman too so that was kind of like okay you know I'm pretty good at this you know let mm-hmm. me let me really focus on this um so at that point it was really just soccer and track and I was really using track to supplement soccer to improve you know athletically um because my goal was to play collegiately you know, when I was a freshman. Um, and that was something I played and strive for all throughout high school. Yeah, and that makes sense. A lot of people do supplement track as kind of like a training for yeah. whatever sport they're doing. And that makes a lot of sense. And that's really great to hear. And I haven't heard a lot of people on the podcast talk too much about soccer. Because I'm a big football guy. I play yeah. football and stuff. So that's kind of always my go-to to talk about. So I'm kind of interested in hearing uh, the bond kind of created through soccer. Because obviously every sport has this different dynamic. And yeah. I haven't really had the chance to pick the brain too much of, of soccer players. So I'm kind of interested to, to hear your perspective. Since you played baseball, you've played a little bit of basketball. Right. You know how these dynamics work through sports. So how was it for soccer? Yeah, it's soccer is like, for me, it, I can't really find a sport that's more culturally involved. You know, I mean, they call it the beautiful game for a reason, you know. So um, soccer was, you know, a combination of you know, people from all walks of life, you know, I played with guys that, you know, came over from, you know, Cape Verde, you know, and played in different parts of the world, you know, um, and it really combines, you know, different cultures and connects people um, in a sport, which I think is awesome. Um, in high school, we had a, we had a coach named Coach Culpa. And he, uh, anybody from Rehoboth knows Coach Culpa, and he played professional baseball. So he played professional baseball. He played in the MLB. Hmm. So here he is now, and he was a, a soccer coach. So, yeah. 
you know, people look at soccer and they're like, oh, okay, you know, it's kind of, you know, soft sport, you know, <laughs> whatnot. But this guy was our coach. So it, it turned into, you know, people were getting knocked on their ass, you know. So, and he instilled this toughness and this culture of, you know, who wants it more, you know. Um, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you got to go and compete. And if you want to win, you got to go get it. And nobody's going to hand it to you. So, yeah. and that was something that always kind of, clicked with me and i still carry to this day yeah i think that's a really great um i don't know what the word is i'm thinking of trait maybe to have required uh acquired from uh soccer because i don't think a lot of programs instill that the the toughness the aggressiveness to to kind of go and get it because when a lot of people do this kind of like somewhat of a public opinion i guess maybe it's not the general opinion but some people think of it like you said soft like you're not it's not as a physical game as something like hockey or or um football where you're literally hitting each other like every single play but to instill that into your players because i think there is some value in being physical especially in our youth to kind of teach that to when you get knocked on your ass that you can get back up and like that was something that was always taught to me through sports especially football like early on was kind of like you get knocked down you got to get back up like your team needs you like don't don't be a crybaby don't you can't be crying about this like it's a tough hit suck it up like and I think that that mentality is is somewhat needed in, in a culture, in right. our culture, because especially nowadays we have a very um, how do I say this? I'll just say soft uh, uh, society where everything yeah. hurts everyone's feelings. And obviously, I'm big on mental health, but I think there is value in being um, stoic to kind of have a, a grasp on somewhat of your emotions to to suck it up in some instances because like life is tough, yeah. like life is unforgiving sometimes. So you kind of have to be able to kind of roll with the punches and like continue to be yourself. Yeah. I think that's valuable. And that's something I I've carried it in myself. You know, embrace the struggle. You know, enjoy the process, enjoy the ride. You know, um, at the low points in my life, I've always seen it as an opportunity. You know, I mean, I'm gonna get knocked on my ass. I'm going to go through something, but how can I get back? How can I get better? How can I be the person? How, what separates myself from where I am now to where I want to be? You know, how do I get to that point? I got to go through something difficult, you know? And that's just part of life um, that I've come to understand. Facts, facts. And I, I've been kind of like in this place right now, and I was telling you a lot of the stuff that I'm planning to do in, in the future. Big and, plans. Yeah, we got some big plans coming, and, I, and hopefully you guys will start hearing about this soon. I'm gonna start leaking stuff and teasing some some collabs and some new new projects that I'm working on. I'm really excited about that. And in my own personal life, I'm gearing up to attack my fitness in in new ways with new new exercises and new plans and some more of a controlled diet. So I'm really excited about the future. But the only way to change is to make changes. Mm. Like you have to like make changes because the only way to grow is to change. So I think a lot of us become comfortable and I think there's not think there's nothing wrong with being comfortable, but you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable in order to make the, the changes that you want in your life. Because if you're not making changes, you're not going to change. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get confused and they get caught up and they get distraught when things aren't changing. Yeah. The only way to change is you got to make things happen for yourself. You got to yeah. plan and execute and I've been reading books, like I mentioned on prior episodes, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I'm reading a new one. It's called um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And the first um, chapter that I've been reading is kind of talking about literally like breaking it down to the the atom level and how energy and the mind work together. And like Mm. it talks talking about like Newton and like all these different um, physicists. I think that's the word I'm looking for. Or or, I think it is. But 
I was talking about all these things and how they, they correlate the mind and like matter go together and they work together. So it's interesting to, to read these concepts. Um, I do want to take a little bit of a turn yep. and start talking about uh, as you're going through high school, you're gearing up to your senior year, you're getting ready to graduate and here comes the, the craziness of like, are you going to college? Right. Um, talk to me about that experience and like why you decided for yourself to go to college. Yeah, yeah. So to bounce just backtrack a little bit yeah, to high yeah, school. Yeah. One of the things I always pride myself in high school about was being more than just an athlete. Um, you know, I was, yeah, I was good at soccer. I played well, you know, I was accomplished. But looking at the other piece of things, so I was involved in, you know, best buddies. I was involved in um, the freshman transition program, um, you know, where we had the freshmen come up to the high school and kind of provided like a, a role model aspect to them to help them in that process. Um, so I knew, you know, as college was approaching, I wanted to do something with helping people. Um, I always found working with people with disabilities to be powerful. Um, so that's why I kind of looked into the healthcare, you know, speech, physical therapy, occupational therapy. And with my parents both being school teachers, um, I shadowed an occupational therapist in the Providence School District. Um, his name's Sloan. And... Just the way in which he carried himself, the amount of pride that he took in his work really resonated with me. Um, And I was like, wow, you know, that's really, really cool. Um, Because at the time, you know, occupational therapy, I was like, you know, what is that? And you're you're probably even questioning, I don't know how much you know about OT. Yeah, not not too much. Yeah. So OT, because a lot of people like OT, PT, you know, what's the difference? So OT is looking more at like the occupations. So the daily stuff that you have to do, dressing, bathing. Uh, getting ready, um, you know, but then it has like the money management piece of things. So if someone has a disability, you know, how is it that they can do those things? So that's where our role kind of steps in. So um, I knew I wanted to do something with helping people achieving the stuff that they want to do daily, you know, Um, and that's what kind of led me to pursuing OT. Um, So it was an interesting route for me because I, uh, I was going to play in college um i was had opportunities to play at springfield um a good division three program and then i had an opportunity to play a division two program at aic um with a scholarship um but after applying and going through the process there was an opportunity that came up with going to new england tech and i was like new england tech you know that's kind of you know, I thought that's, you know, for people that wanted to do welding or plumbing, you know, an electrician, which don't get me wrong, we definitely need. Um, but I was like, you know, I couldn't really see myself going to that school. And, you know, at the time, too, I was debating, you know, do I want the college experience? You know, do I want to go away? You know, because all my friends, Florida, New York, you know, Cali. So everybody else was branching out. And I was like, do I want to stay home? You know, what do I want to do? So the way the program is set up is it's you can get your undergrad in about 18 months, two months. So um, that's what I did. So we graduated uh, high school and it was May and then I started class in July. So it was a quick turnaround. And here's everybody, you know, senior year of uh, high school, you know, they're done. Everybody's out, you know, partying and stuff. So mm-hmm. like, shit, you know, I got class tomorrow, like what the hell am I doing with my life, you know, and I show up to campus, you know, and not that I was, 
you know, the most popular kid in high school, but, you know, a lot of people knew me, you know, and I knew a lot of people, you know, I always tried to connect with a lot of people. Um, so then going to the school that I'd never been at, none of my friends are there. Um, they're all probably out drinking and here I am in the library. Like, it's like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Um, so that was definitely a challenge for me to kind of come to bears with that. Um, you know, so that's kind of the transition point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we were talking about that too, that kind of like, what am I doing moment? Yeah. And I think a lot of us have that. And if you haven't had that, you're probably going to have that at some point of like, what am I doing with my life? Cause we all go through the motions of life. Like, especially coming out of high school, we're all expected to go to college. At least our generation was when we were coming up. I think it's starting to become a little bit more loosened, a little bit less stress applied to it. Hopefully, I mean, I obviously can't speak for those uh, people in that experience right now, but things like community college being more accepted, and I, I openly encourage that. Like, if you want to go to college but you don't know exactly, go to community college. Like, it's a great opportunity. You'll save a ton of money, and it's not anything bad. You still get the same degree in four years once you go to you transfer to the four year universities. Yeah. So I wish I did that honestly, and I always try to talk about that. But that what if are the what am I doing moment, I should say, is it, I've talked about on the podcast for myself was kind of just being in Georgia, leaving that toxic work environment. And I was kind of like, what the fuck am I doing? Right. Like, I have nothing. Like, I'm supposed to be living this great lifestyle where I have a job, like I graduated school, like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing that society says that I should be doing. And then if I do that, I'll yeah. be happy. And I wasn't. And I didn't have the creative out outlet for myself like i want to have a chance to be creative and like i kind of numbed that for a long time and football was always kind of my outlet and then once that was gone unfortunately for myself i turned to drinking to partying to Mm. going out and once i separated from that and separated myself from where i grew up and everything i knew that's when everything became introspective it's like Mm. everything's about me and how i have to become a better person like no one's here to help me no one's here to tell me what to do how to do it and that's the hardest thing where you have to wake up, you have to make yourself the breakfast, lunch, the dinner, to go to work, to drive all right. that, to do everything on your own really humbles you and to experience life on your own away from family. Like it's super valuable. So if you have those chances like to go away to school and that's what you want to do, I would definitely encourage that to get away from your family dynamic because that's going to help you become a more well-rounded individual. And if you don't want to do it, it's totally fine, but I would definitely encourage that for a lot of people. I think everyone has great experiences. Yeah, and at the same time too, there are so many people I feel like our age and especially around my age that are kind of in this transition time of going from that teenage to adulthood and mm-hmm. they don't know what the fuck they want to do, you know? They have no clue what they want to do with their life. I mean, I have a friend right now who's, you know, we're seniors essentially, mm-hmm. you know, he's going to graduate college soon and he's like, I don't know if I want to finish, you know? And I told him I said, "Dude, that's fine." I said, you know, it's not a big deal, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel like right now in society, there's a lot of pressure where you have to go and you have to follow this path. You have to do this. If you don't do this, you're a failure. That's not true. You know, it's okay to change avenues, change routes, especially nowadays. Um, I think it's got to be more popular in society. Yeah, I think with social media, with the internet, it's allowing people to be their own um source of income essentially mm-hmm. like you could go on you could be a social media influencer not everyone's gonna be it but you can be like the possibility to create your own business to to market yourself to put yourself out there it's all in the palm of our hands and it's never been a chance like this in 
I don't even know if it's like the world, like history, like a time like now where there's so many different avenues to make money that you don't have to go to college to make right. money. The science does show though, and the, the numbers do show that if you do have college degrees on a balance of probabilities, you do tend to make a little bit more money, which is great. And there's definitely opportunities with going to school and stuff like that. You can just throw it over there. Not a big deal. Um, having that degree definitely opens a lot of doors. I'm not saying it doesn't, but it's not for everybody. And you can make just as much doing other things. So there's different paths for different people. And I kind of want to turn it back to you about Mm. going to school through these experiences. Did you really struggle um, in college and kind of like leading towards kind of like where you're at now with your career? To be honest, no. Um, Which which was, I mean, it's, I feel like after speaking with a lot of friends and stuff it's kind of rare um i began my degree um i went through my entire program enjoying it really liking what i was doing um being really passionate about um you know what i was studying you know putting in that extra work um so i was really content with it um but i know at the same time you know if i wanted to change i felt as though i had the support of my parents um which was really important to me, you know, because here they are, you know, helping me pay through school, you know, you and I talked about nothing better than a home cooked meal, you know, (laughs) I mean, I have all these great opportunities because of them, but they always would say to me, you know, Will, you know, if you want to change what you're doing, that's all right, you know, Um, which really made me feel, you know, confident in myself and my abilities, which forever thankful. Yeah, I think having the foundation of a supportive family is unlike anything else where you have, and that's where I always say I'm very privileged to have that, Mm. is to have a a place where I can come back to, to like kind of like regroup, to figure things out, and that I'm accepted and welcomed. Because not everybody has that. And I'm first to say that I I have that privilege, and I'm so appreciative and grateful that my parents allow me to to express myself, even to to have a podcast in our house, to record it, and to have everyone kind of stay a little bit quiet during my recording hour. <laughs> to like to to have that is everything to me. To have my parents support what I do, to wear my merch, to listen to my podcast, mm. to encourage me to allow this to have a, even my cousins and aunts and uncles to like and grandparents to support what i do to have friends support what i do to have this base of people that are supportive that you couldn't you can't put a price on that and you, that can't be matched by anything in my opinion like the the connections that i formed through the carol connection right. are everything and like this is one right here we're forming like we didn't know each other beforehand and yeah. we're, we dive into like such deep things just kind of like off the bat and that's the way i like to do my podcast to talk to people like i like to hit depths that normally you don't do when you're at like a bar you see someone's like hey what's up man like what are you doing and like people don't don't get into the depths of the conversation yeah. to sit behind a microphone and like the stuff we talk about off air and on air could both be a podcast it's what you're getting is real and authentic and i think the message that i've tried to push on this platform is to take care of your health uh, to feel your feelings essentially um to be your own like your own person to express yourself to find your passion essentially and Mm. i think finding your passion is kind of a lifelong journey yeah it's never ending just like being a better version of yourself is never ending Mm. it's always continually growing and i think that's a huge thing to point out is like we always get caught up in this idea and i kind of want to go back to that um uh because you had a book that you were reading and i want to go back to that um, yeah the what's the the phrase i was thinking of the not the what if moment the um 
it's the ch- the change, uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah, powerful change. The what am I doing moment? Yeah, That's what, what I am I doing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that all kind of stems from. So fast forward a little. So I had finished my undergrad. I graduated. Um, you know, I was getting ready for my certification exam, my board's exam. You know, biggest exam of my life. Um, and at the time, I was in a relationship for going on three plus years. Um, so, you know, it's the type of relationship, you know, you have in high school, you know, and it's that type of, oh, you know, will it translate to college, you know? And we kind of just ran with it, you know? Um, but things didn't work out. Um, so I had just finished school and I was getting ready for my exams and I was applying to grad school at the time. So I had all these different moving pieces happening and a few of them just fell through. So the relationship ended, um, which was probably the most challenging thing, um, you know, because it kind of, I was blindsided in a sense. Um, but at the same time, everything happens for a reason. So I didn't understand that at the time. And I didn't understand it for a while, like a long ass time, like probably good, almost a year. Um, but looking back at it now, it's okay that I didn't understand it, um, you know, and between that and then I did apply to grad school and I got denied. Um, you know, it kind of got to the point where I was at a low point in my life. Um, and here I am, I have a date of, you know, I think it was like February 23rd. I had my boards exam and I was like, it was like end of January and I hadn't even started studying. I was like, fuck, you know, what the hell am I doing? Like, you know, going for long car rides, you know, kind of being in my feelings, you know, just out of it. Um, You know, I wasn't really talking with people. I kind of removed myself from social media and all my friends and stuff. And I, I really just stepped back and just kind of spent time with myself, Um, you know, and by the same time, there were a lot of dark moments in that, um, where I wasn't confident with who I was at all. Um, So, I slowly started to, you know, just get out of the house, you know, hit the library, you know, spend some time studying with a couple friends. And somebody recommended this book to me. um, And it's called Deciding Decades. um, And it's written by a psychologist. And what she does is she combines her experiences of her working with different clients throughout her career, specifically in their 20s, um, early 20s, late 20s, mid 20s. And then compares it to different statistics. So, you know, people who do XYZ in their 20s are more successful because of this. But then at the same account, she took into the experience of these people, you know, going through breakups, you know, going through changes in life, job loss, all um, losing a loved one, you know. And for, I'll, I will say, and I'll be honest, you know, here, here I am of the son of two teachers. I hate books, you know. I don't like to read. Um, so I listened to the audiobook for it while I was at the gym. So I guess you could call it a book. I, I consider that a book. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, but the book was so powerful. Um, and it kind of put me in check. You know, I was 20 at the time. I was like, you know, that moment of what the fuck am I doing? You know, I got to get my shit together. You know, I got to pull myself together. I knew that it was okay to be vulnerable. I knew it was okay to be you know, emotional. And I never had a problem as a male expressing myself in that way. I felt comfortable doing so. Um, But it got to the point where it was slowing me down, you know, and I had to get myself in check. Um, You know, 
get disciplined. Um, discipline is a big thing that I hold myself to. You know, I hold myself to structure and a routine. Um, and I think that's whether you are going through something or you're not going through something, that's so important. So important to have a structured routine. Um, you know, I'd rather say that I'm busy, you know, and I have, oh, yeah, I can't make it to this tonight because I have this, than to be like, oh, yeah, I'm free. You know, that's just for me, um, you know, that structure. So that's kind of what got me through that that moment, you know, going to the gym at this time, studying at this time. Um, and knock on wood, I passed my boards. Um, and that, from there, it kind of set me back on track to the point I'm at now. Yeah, and but I think yeah. that's really great that you were able to experience that. Because I think we all, whether it's a breakup, um, a loss of a loved one, or not getting into the school that you wanted to, um, all these different experiences where it's kind of like, almost it feels like failure. Right. Like, we don't like failure. And especially, I openly talk about the heartbreak, the situationships, uh, my TikTok, all these emotional things. And it's almost under-talked about how heartbreak and ends of relationships like really affect our mental and our physical like especially when you have time with with people like and like you mentioned it's kind of blindsided you don't expect that and um, i'm pretty sure someone could could fact check me i think most of i think it's like so 50 percent of marriages end in divorce nowadays and 80 percent of those divorces are initiated by the women so a lot of the time the men aren't usually breaking up Right. With with the women, so a lot of the time that's why men when I at least from my perspective and my life experiences, I've always experienced a lot more heartache when I go through these things because maybe it's just me. I like to like I wanna see it through. I wanna I'd rather go all the way with it and try to like right. work it out. And I don't wanna give up on people. Even if even if it's like friendships, work, family, I don't wanna give up on people. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt, and that sometimes that bites me in the ass. Right. And like I accept that and I'm 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 willing to roll with those punches because I think everyone deserves the opportunity to be given that chance because you don't know what that person's going through. Yeah. Everyone has demons. Everyone has dark places. And like you don't always see that, whether it's in real life or social media, especially social media because people don't want to post that. Right. And for me, social media has become a place where I post that. I'm okay showing you me crying. I'm okay showing you that I had a bad day. I'm okay talking about these things mm. because I'm accepting to be vulnerable i choose to be vulnerable i want people to know especially men i'm big on men's mental health that it's okay to cry it's okay to experience things it's okay to go to therapy like these things are there for us like the suicide rate in men is like through the roof and it's because we don't talk about our stuff so to have two men on a podcast on a platform talk about mental health to talk about some of our our experiences and some of our our mental states it's everything because you don't hear that often. No. So I try to bring this to the conversation as much as I can because it needs to be talked about because it's the numbers aren't changing, especially when you throw a pandemic and all this stuff in between. Yeah. Like this, It needs to change. We need to be open about these things. And I always say, talk to your friends. Um, even better, find a therapist. I know us men, we want to push away from therapy. Oh, I don't need it. I don't need it. I got the gym. Like The gym is a great outlet. Right. Gym can be therapy. But it is not therapy. Yeah. It can be therapy, but it's not therapy. Right. Therapy is therapy. Yeah. So I always try to like make that distinction. Like the gym can be your place. It's been my place, but it's still not therapy. So if you have those mental things or you just want to talk to someone, do it. Yeah. Words and communication are so powerful. You know, and even just 
getting feedback from someone, whether it's you look at their body language, you know, you see how they react to you, you hear what they say back to you. That's powerful. So that was something I actually, I ended up spending a good three or four months after I passed my board's exam, just going and talking with someone, Um, you know, and I was here, I was, and I just finished passing my boards. I was at a high point. I was like, all right, time to apply for jobs. You know, I'm ready to go. But at the same time, I still carried a little bit of that emotion with me and I needed to process that. And by doing it through therapy, I mean, if I, if I had to do it over again, and I'm sure I will, I will do it again because it was great, you know? Yeah, I think it's, especially as young men to have gone to therapy, mm. it's good to know that it's, a, it's there. Right. That tool is there and it, for me, I can, I'll definitely say it worked. It definitely helped me. Yeah. It helped me unpack those emotions that you were talking about because a lot of us don't, we are self-aware, we can see the things happening in our brain, but Therapy is, for me, it's a place to just unpack that in a safe environment where no one's going to judge you. That person sitting across from you is a professional that is going to give you honest advice. And once you become accountable for how you're acting, self-aware of how you're acting, that's when things start changing. And then the thing with therapy, I always say this, my therapist used to give me a lot of credit for this because I was big on this. You got to do the work. You actually got to do the work. I always had assignments that I had to do. You have to do that. Because if you're not putting in the work in therapy, because therapy isn't just talking. It's part of it. Right. Part of it's talking about your feelings, expressing your feelings, and working on your emotions and how to cope with them better. Yeah. That's the whole process with at least cognitive behavioral therapy, which is what I did. Mm. And it helped me process a lot of stuff because I always struggled struggled with anger and sadness and like getting deep into my emotions and separating and not lashing out as much once I started working on that and how to like disconnect myself from my thoughts. Like what I'm thinking isn't me. That's mm. just my thoughts. Like a thought is going to come in and it's going to go. Mm. It's it's natural. We all have those negative thoughts, but learning how to not identify with those negative thoughts is everything. That's the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, therapy, I looked at it as almost like a like a toolbox, you know. I I go in I work with the individual, I check in, this is what's going on, but then what can they give me, you know, that I can come and I can take and I can apply to my life, you know, and that's, that's the real therapy, like what you were talking about. So hundred percent. Yeah. And like, even just to touch on that again too, like the gym stuff, like that can be your therapy. Like podcasting is part of my therapy. Like I always, I've had someone, I forget who said it. The first one was to say it was like when they come on. And after we finished, like, wow, that was kind of like a therapy session. Yeah. Like, just to kind of let everything hang. And, like, yeah. it's every time I can, I can't express how I feel necessarily after doing a podcast. It's just straight joy. Like, I feel so great after doing them. Mm. And, it like, everyone that I've ever done, it always reminds me, like, this is what I'm doing. I need to be doing. This mm. is what I'm supposed to be doing. It's like reassurance that, like, this is something that's helping people. Yeah. And it's not only helping other people, but it's helping myself. Right. Learning how to communicate with other people, learning how to listen, to understand, because a lot of us, we're hearing other people, but we're not listening. And when we listen just to understand and appreciate and not to just respond, that's when things start changing, where you can actually appreciate where someone else is coming from and what they've gone through as a person. That's when all your relationships start improving, whether it's family, romantic, business, everything will change once you start hearing that other person and what they're what they're saying i want to turn a little bit um sure i want to talk a little bit about social media 
because mm. we, we mentioned a little bit of it yeah. and how you kind of disconnected from it. And obviously me, I'm a very big social media person. Right. So to see the other side of that Contrast, spectrum yeah. um, is always interesting and kind of talk to me a little bit about your decision to kind of stay off social media for the most part. Yeah. So it was really kind of through that dark time in my life. And then after that, even at, you know, things were moving in a positive direction. I ended up getting a job and stuff like that. But I just still, I didn't really see the need at that time. The priorities for me was always school and work, taking care of my physical health, taking care of my mental health, um, you know, being involved with my families, hanging out with my friends. That was kind of me, you know. So when I took that break from social media, when I was in that dark time, I kind of just sticked with it. Um, and I don't know, I don't know when I'm gonna get back to it. Um, you know, I I don't use Twitter anymore. Um, I'll use Snapchat here and there, but Instagram I haven't posted in years. Uh, took my took my cover uh, profile picture down. <laughs> you know, I know it's like kind of weird, but I don't know. It's just not it's not me um, right now. You know, I got too many things going on. You know, ambitions and things that I'm dialed in on that I need to focus on. And I know that if I do get back to social media, when I do, I got to be selective in that process. Um, You know, and whether, you know, I'm watching a hard ass video of David Goggins, you know, doing some crazy ass shit, or, you know, I'm seeing people such as yourself, that's the type of stuff I want to see, you know, on social media, you know, so I'm thinking and you and I talked about this off air, you know, working in rehab and stuff, I think I will. And I, it's funny you mentioned that because it's been something I've been really thinking about for the last two months to the point where I cracked open my computer and started like to plan stuff out in a Word doc, you know? So I think the return's coming, um, <laughs> but in in due time, you know? And I, I want to use it, when I go back to it, I want to use it in the right way. I think know? that's the absolute correct way to, to approach social media, yeah. um, to help people, to to take the stuff that you know and post about it. And that's what I, when people, when I talk to people about social media, um, we all think of it just kind of like what, how we did in high school for the, a lot of people is like mm. kind of just like social. Like you're just looking at people doing stuff, posting about their trips or whatever, family or birthdays. But to take what you do and kind of broadcast that, mm. it's scary. It's allowing people to kind of judge you a little bit and being vulnerable to do it. Um, that was one of the biggest hurdles for myself was just kind of just doing it yeah. because you have all those negative thoughts. Is this going to work? Are people going to listen? Are people yeah. going to look at me different? Like, and once you let that go, yeah. everything changes. Like, like I was telling you earlier, like I forget people listen sometimes. Right. I don't even pay attention to the numbers because I'm getting what I need out of this. Mm. And if I know that I'm getting what I need, I know maybe one other person that listens just tunes in is yeah. getting what they need. That's and th- and that's exactly, that's worth yeah. it. That's all I need for me as motivation to keep doing this because it helps me. And if it helps me, then it's going to probably help someone else and inspire right. other people. And that's the message is allowing people to come on the podcast, to share their story. Your story could impact someone else and they'd be like, damn, I relate to that. And mm. maybe I should do that. And, or if they're struggling in school, like, I can get through this. Are they struggling with the breakup? Like, yeah. I can get through this. And like hearing, especially like I mentioned, two men openly talk about therapy. Mm. That is powerful. Like mm. in and itself, if like there's anything from this podcast that we grab, mental health and therapy for men, 
needs to be more pushed and talked yeah. about in, in an open space. Especially during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Especially. I mean, you know, because working in the hospital and working in, you know, a prison, you know, I, I mean, I had COVID. You know, I'm always around, you know, COVID. Um, no, don't worry. I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not stressing. Um, I trust the vaccine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm vaccinated. Um, but, you know, I kind of didn't see a few people, you know, close in my friend group for a long time, you know. Um, and now looking at how you know people coming back from school and stuff like that and looking what people where people are at you know you can tell something's going on you know they it looks like they're going through something you know and i hate to assume you know and you know trying to you know teeter on that line of being supportive but not being overly nosy um but you know so many people through this pandemic have been impacted mentally um and i think that you know we should use it as an opportunity in society to focus more on mental health. You know, when people were locked in their houses, you know, working from home, you know, not seeing loved ones, not socializing, you know, it speaks to the impact of socialization, the impact of, you know, being around other people, you know, and that's so powerful. So I hope as a society, we can be better. Yeah, we're human beings. We need it. Yeah. Like, we need to socialize. That's part of our, like, our construction. Like, that part of it. Like, that's yeah. what is going to elevate elevate us and keep us evolving as we go forward in generation after generation. And I think with the pandemic, too, a lot of people came became disconnected but haven't reconnected back in. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, if you look at it, like, kind of like maybe like a video game where like every, we all unplugged during the pandemic yeah. and some of us have started to plug back in, but not everyone's back in. No. So like you can see it. Everyone's people are disconnected. People aren't ready to socialize. Like there's still some paranoia about COVID and like, obviously it can affect certain people and obviously take care of your health. If you want to get the vaccine, get vaccinated. Um, I'm either, or I I don't really care. Like it doesn't bother me, but my biggest thing is take care of your health. Yeah. Eat, eat healthy, drink water, sleep, exercise, sleep, like do the important things take your vitamins see your doctor mm. like these are important things that are not talked about all the time but are essential for us and it's kind of obvious that we just overlook sometimes because yeah. when you're going through your life day to day like hey i'll stop at taco bell which <laughs> i love taco bell i'll say that on the record and i'll probably get it after this to be honest <laughs> but like it's okay to dip into that but also be conscious and cognizant of your health and like what you're doing every single day because yeah. it does have an impact. What you're putting into your body not only affects your physical but your mental as well. So yeah. I always like to like sprinkle that in. Mm. Um, we are getting towards like the, the later half of the podcast. I want to talk a little bit about what you're really doing currently yeah. and kind of like how you're really arriving and kind of like where you're planning to go with everything. Yeah. So I got um, I first got this position at Eleanor Slater Hospital and. Um, you know, I don't not I don't know if a lot of people know Eleanor Slater Hospital. You might because we've been on the news recently <laughs> from more bad than good. But um, it's a psychiatric hospital um, in Cranston. It's a state psychiatric facility. Um, so I worked in a building where guys and gals were coming in from the prison. Um, they were dealing with some sort of mental health concern that was impacting them from being competent to stand trial or they were having problems mental health related inside of the prison. So they needed extra services um, in the hospital. So my role in the hospital was really a lot of group therapy, um, teaching people, you know, coping skills, talking about leisure, you know, talking about emotions and frustrations and all those daily life things that we all go through, but 
especially people who are incarcerated go through, um, which is, it's a whole different world. Um, so, I mean, working with people, you know, with schizophrenia, bipolar, um, you know, anti-personality disorder, you know, that's, it's a difficult line of work, you know, because especially during the pandemic, there was a large increase, um, at least in Rhode Island, with people struggling, mental health related, they ended up being incarcerated. And then, you know, their life changes in a sense. So at the hospital, we really aim to, you know, help them out, you know, through therapy, help them out if they needed medication. But our goal is always, at least a lot of the nurse practitioners and the doctors was less meds, you know, kind of focus more on therapy, focus on quality of life, um, feeling good about yourself. Um, And it's always nice to see. And I've, I've bumped into a few people out in the community because, you know, Rhode Island's so small um, that have gone to group homes or gone back out into the community and they're doing fine. You know, they're doing well uh, because they got good services at the hospital. So that was a really um, important part for me because I, I got to really involve myself in my own mental health. You know, um, here I am going in and helping people with their mental health, but in reality, it was helping me, you know, it was helping me with my mental health, which I'm sure you feel too with doing a podcast and doing opportunities like this. So it was really um, a life changing type of experience. Um, and then from there, I've, I've recently changed routes a little bit. So now I specifically work um, inside the ACI. So I work inside the prison. And OT is kind of funky, because you can have that mental health related. You can work in a school with pediatrics. You can work in a nursing home working on, you know, stroke rehab. Um, but in the prison, I do a lot of orthopedic rehab. Um, so shoulder, elbow, wrist, hand, uh, gunshot wounds, stab wounds. Um, you know, and it's, I mean, I've been at it for probably about eight months now and, you know, full time. And it's, it's incredible. You know, it's a different world, you know, to, see the rigor of prison and what it's like, you know, what those guys are dealing with, you know, why they're there. Um, and it, it's humbling. It puts life into perspective. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. I really, I'm glad that I was actually going to ask that too, is if working in those environments has changed your perspective and I'm glad that you hit that because for me too, even just talking to so many different people like this is episode 81 Mm. and i haven't talked to 81 people because i've done some solos so i'll say maybe like 70 plus Mm. i've talked to 70 plus different people about different things and all their experiences and just hearing all these different perspectives helped me and that is like the underlying note when you're trying to help other people is helping other people helps yourself right so that's kind of like a really good take-home message too is like when you're trying to think of things and trying to help other people that when you do the do that, um, I don't want to call it exercise. Do that um, task or something. Yeah. Like I'm trying, I can't think of the word. But when you help other people, in reality, in retrospect, it's gonna help you. Right. So I think that's really great. I'm glad that we could hit on that. And I'm gonna start wrapping this up. I have one more question for you. Um, but is there anything that you want to say that we didn't touch on in the podcast? Um, aside from that last question, which is tied to passions. No, I don't think so. I think I think for me it was the opportunity pr- to present myself as somebody who's as a male specifically who's gone through 
difficult experiences and to get to where I am today. Um, I was just excited for that. So no, I think I'm, I think I'm good. Yeah. Right, cool. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate you coming on here and we'll I'll say all that stuff too at the end, I guess, obviously. Yeah. Um, last question for you, Will, is what would your advice be to someone who wants to pursue their passion? So I would say for me, it would be, um, to stay disciplined, um, stay disciplined in the aspect that it's not going to happen overnight. I mean, it, I mean, shit, if it happens, it happens. But in reality, it's not. It's not going to happen overnight. It takes time. It takes struggle, you know. Um, it takes going through life, you know. And whether it's career-related, whether it's, you know, something you do on the side that you and I talked about a little bit too, you know, it takes time. Um, you know, just enjoying the process of life, you know, because in reality, like, if... I don't know, you're going for a dream job or something and you go to the job interview and you apply for it and you get it right away and you're fresh out of school. I don't know, for me personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't be all that, ex- like I'd be happy, but I wouldn't felt of, as though I earned it, you know? And so when pursuing your passion, enjoy the process um, because it's a ride, you know, and it's not going to be easy and um, embrace everything that happens through it. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. I think that's the perfect way to tie everything up in this podcast i just want to say will i appreciate you for coming out here and it was great meeting you and having you on this platform and thank you for being vulnerable enough to share everything that you're going through and currently doing i think that's fucking awesome and i look forward to seeing your return to social media (laughs) (laughs) maybe no i'm gonna change my profile picture to the carol connection (laughs) i was actually gonna be like yo you're you're one um i'll have like some stuff for you to send me and stuff but the one thing i'm gonna ask for you is have your profile picture changed so when 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 this drops people click on your profile and it's not a fucking like blank nothing (laughs) yeah yeah you got it you got it i'm on it (laughs) all right lit so again thank you so much for coming on yeah and thank you jared i think for me it was awesome to see somebody you know in our small knit community and stuff that you know has taken this journey um so major props to you for that i appreciate that and i'll give you guys my little spiel uh if you guys like the podcast please rate review subscribe uh share with your friends share family share with your grandma you can check it out at thecarolconnection.simplecast.com. Also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all the major listening platforms. So, until next time, guys. Peace. Peace.